Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by and welcome to the PAYDO's third quarter 2020 financial results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, please press star one on your telephone. Once again, please press star one on your telephone if you have a question during the conference. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Darren G, President and Chief Executive Officer. Please go ahead. Well, good morning. Thank you, Sydney. And uh, thanks for everyone for tuning in to PAYDO's third quarter 2020 results conference call. Uh, before we get started today, I would like to remind everybody that all statements made by the company during this call are subject to the same forward-looking disclaimer and advisory that we set forth in the company's news release issued yesterday. In the room with me today is the uh, entire PAYDO management team. We're uh, maintaining our social distancing here, but uh, we've got everybody on the call. So Kathy Turgeon, our Chief Financial Officer is here, JP Lachance, our Chief Operating Officer, Scott Robinson, our VP of uh, Business Development. We've got Dave Thomas, our VP Exploration, uh, Lee Curran, our VP Drilling and Completions, uh, Tim Louie, our VP of Land, and Todd Burdick, our VP of Production. Uh, before I get started with uh, comments about our quarterly results, I do want to recognize the efforts of our, uh, of our staff and field people. Uh, our, our field people continue to conduct operations in the quarter with safety foremost in mind, especially with COVID risks increasing as we head into the fall. Both our production operations field people and I think our extended service providers on all our drilling rigs and frack crews and pipeline spreads they all worked efficiently and safely throughout the quarter with no lost time accidents and with very few issues at all. So a very successful operational quarter. I think all of those uh, working for PAYDO are proud to continue to provide Albertans with reliable and affordable energy that they need every day and the fuel to heat their homes, especially as we enter into another cold, dark winter here in Alberta. So a big thank you to uh, all our people, both here uh, in Calgary and out in the field for continuing to keep both the lights and the heat on. And also before I forget, I would like to take this opportunity to thank Tim Louie, our VP of Land, for nine years of dutiful service to PAYDO. On behalf of the board, shareholders, and employees, we wish him all the best in his retirement. Okay, so uh, on to our third quarter results. Operationally, the third quarter went quite well. We drilled some very good wells in group production from 78,000 barrels a day to about 83 by the end of the quarter. And uh, that growth isn't stopping here as we head into the end of the year. Uh, we did get uh, some plant turnarounds done in the quarter, actually, so our gear has been fully serviced and is ready for another year of, of operations. Um, as mentioned in the release, we, we celebrated our 1,000th horizontal well in the quarter. That number still continues to blow me away, uh, especially since I was here, as many in the room were, back when we drilled our first horizontal well uh, over a decade ago. Uh, our first horizontal well, as I say, it meant, uh, dates back to 2009. Uh, in the fall of 2009, I think, is when we drilled our first one. And since that time, 
we've drilled a total of 4.3 million meters of hole, which is an amazing statistic. That's basically the distance from Vancouver to Halifax. So one could say that we've drilled our way across Canada over the last decade. And I don't think too many companies can make claim to that. We've, uh, we've tested out uh, some Spirit River plays and some Cardium uh, in a few different areas this quarter, and I think we're very pleased with the results so far. In fact, our, our average productivity this year seems to be better than we've seen in the past few years. I think that's also due to the fact that we're drilling longer horizontal laterals and opening up more reservoir on average as well. And of course, the best part of those longer laterals is that we're also doing it cheaper. So when you combine the better productivity and the greater reserves with lower costs, you get much better rates of return. And when you pile on top of that higher gas prices, well, then things are really starting to look up. Sadly, however, we weren't able to realize a better gas price for all our production, though. We still have the carryover of some expensive ACOD and IMEX basis deals that were put in place back in 2018 when the ACO market was completely broken. That cost us around $27 million of cash flow for the quarter, which is a painful pill to swallow. We're still going to have to live with a few of those deals for a few more quarters before they're gone, and we start to see much higher realized prices, but we're eager to get there. Other than that, I think financial results were more or less in line with what we expected. Costs were generally good, although we are looking for some help on the government fees and taxes part of our costs. That becomes more and more of our fixed costs both the AER fees and the municipal taxes in Alberta, I believe, need to be adjusted a bit to reflect the realities of today. Uh, we're working with industry groups to try and make that happen, and I think we're finally starting to make a little bit of headway there. As noted in the release, we did finally attract some third-party production to one of our plants, so we should see some fee income in the future quarters that can help uh, offset some of our costs. It'll show up in our financials as a new revenue stream. It's taken a while, but we did finally convince uh, an operator in the area that we can produce their gas for cheaper than they can, and we can both share in that benefit. So hopefully we can, uh, we can do that with some more operators in the area. Also, as noted in the release, we're contemplating a bigger capital program in 2021. We have a lot of very profitable-looking drilling locations that we'd like to drill, and think that the combination of higher production from that investment and higher gas prices will give us higher cash flows and lower debt to cash flow ratios, and then if we hold production at those higher levels, we'll be generating a lot of free cash flow beyond next year that we can use to pay down debt and delever our balance sheet and also pay out dividends. And that's actually even considering that the gas price strip right now is in backwardation beyond 2021 where it actually falls for the next few years if the back end of that futures curve does come up to flatten out, as we've seen on the front end. Uh, then we're obviously going to generate even more free cash flow. But we're not going to leave the commodity price purely to chance, of course. Uh, we do have an active hedging program that's designed to get us fixed prices for much of our cash flow. We currently have approximately 72% for this winter's gas hedged already and close to 60% of next summer. Uh, those hedge levels fall back to uh, about 40% for the winter of 22 and 20% for the summer 22, but we are still actively hedging and we'll continue to bring all those levels up to our 75% target uh, before we enter those seasons. So we won't leave too much to chance when it comes to natural gas prices and fixed prices uh, going into those capital programs. So we should know uh, 
with confidence what our revenues are going to be and what our cash flows are going to be to fund those. So all in all, I'd have to say the future is starting to look much better to us, uh, assuming we can get through COVID unscathed. Um, so far, that's been the case. And while this quarter was a, a tough one, I think from a price and cash flow perspective, we do expect things are getting much better from here. So maybe that's uh, where I should leave it in terms of comments on the quarter. And uh, Sydney, maybe we can take this opportunity to throw it open to questions from those listening in. Certainly. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question at this time, please press the star and the one key on your telephone. Our first question comes from Jeremy McRae with Raymond James. Your line is open. Okay. I was curious just with the improvement in gas prices, how much you are looking to shift your capital budget for next year to do more drier gas wells like your Willrich and that versus what you've historically done in the last couple of years chasing the cardium? And if there's any other drier yeah. gas plays that you're looking at here. Yeah, Jeremy, I think, um, you know, this year's program is a fairly balanced one in terms of species mix, uh, both cardium and uh, other spirit river zones that are in there. Uh, you know, we're continuing to work those same zones that we always have, really from the Cretaceous all the way up, the Blue Sky, the Willrich, the Flares, the Nauticuans, uh, the Odd. Uh, other zone in there, uh, as well as the cardium. So it's a fairly balanced mix, which is kind of nice, and it's spread out geographically across our asset base as well, which um, maybe isn't quite as easy for for Lee and the and the drilling group in terms of uh, taking advantage of pad drilling and and less moving of the drilling rigs. But it it does allow us to diversify the program uh, across different geographic areas that are not interdependent and then across zones that aren't interdependent as well. So we can move slowly and carefully with a lot of these plays in these areas and get good results uh, and information back before we're making the decision to drill the next well, which is something we really like. Um, all at the same time, though, we're taking advantage of our existing infrastructure within the Greater Sundance area to tie stuff in quickly and uh, to keep costs down. So. You know, it's sort of the perfect storm when we do get to spread it out. Um, and I think th through 2021, uh, the, the species mix, JP, maybe you can comment on the, the species mix, whether there's about equivalent diversity or uh, I thought there was. But. Yeah, pretty close. But we're, we're probably going to drill about two-thirds spirit rivers and about one-third cardiums. And, you know, we've always been returns focused, right? So, you know, gas prices being stronger is important, but also you know, how much does it cost us to get that as well. So this is all part of the factor. And the cardiums still, you know, still hunt certainly, um, you know, with, with the economics of it all. So because they're, they're a lot cheaper to drill and, and we've got some really good results recently on them too. So, you know, it's going to be, it, it'll be more balanced, but I would say tips towards Spirit River for next year and, and probably beyond. Okay. And maybe just a, one quick follow-up question. There's a lot of been... A lot of talk on M&A with different conference calls here this quarter. What's your guys' view on M&A and, and just that, that, that broader subject? Yeah, I talked about it in my monthly report this past month. You know, I think uh, obviously consolidation in the industry ultimately gets you supply management, uh, which, you know, everybody's looking for a better price these days. And so if that kind of discipline uh, needs to come through consolidation, then I guess that's you know, one of the main drivers I think that we're seeing. We're, we're already a fairly consolidated group of companies in the Western Canadian Basin, um, you know, over 50% of production controlled by 10 companies alone. So 
Uh, and we've seen, as you point out, a lot of uh, more recent consolidation too, especially in the deep basin and the gas uh, industry. Um, we have looked at a lot of opportunities ourselves, and we always compare that uh, potential return to what we can do with the drill bit. Uh, our default tends to be, and historically has that definitely been, to uh, continue to work with the drill bit organically <clears throat> rather than go out and buy other people's assets. Uh, but we always look, uh, you know, Scott's group is constantly mowing through uh, both property valuations and corporates, uh, looking at, uh, at other companies' opportunities and comparing those to our own. Um, we haven't done anything material yet, but, uh, you know, we do small deals tend to, to dominate what we do in any given year. Um, they kind of fly under the radar, but they're, you know, little farm-ins or acquisitions here, there, and around our existing areas that just strengthen our greater Sundance core area uh, more more than not, but um, we ha haven't really found an, an opportunity yet uh, beyond our existing core areas that uh, we wanted to pounce on, but we keep looking. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Thanks. Thank you. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, let's start one to ask a question. Our next question comes from Travis Wood with National Bank Finance. Your line is open. Um, yeah, good morning. Um, could you give us an idea of uh, across the, the, the gas plants and, and maybe, uh, you know, what the throughput is across the nine plants um, versus capacity and, and of those plants where you think future revenue grabs could, could take place? And, and are you able to contract some of this third-party volume um, on a longer-term basis? Are, are those producers willing to negotiate around that? It's a good question. Um, you know, I think the, the nameplate capacity of all of our existing facilities adds up to close to $850 million a day. Um, I think today we probably would have to restart some compressors and uh, restart some gear in order to get up to that level. So we've turned down some of our equipment to match our throughput. Um, that just optimizes costs for us more than anything, uh, but leaves us with that capacity availability. Uh, we do see, obviously, over the next year, volumes growing up to fill a lot of that capacity up. But we will still have some excess uh, for third party if we can attract those third parties in. Um, you know, I think it's difficult uh, today to get real long-term commitments out of anybody. I mean, TransCanada, in fact, is seeing a lot of their service getting turned back to them because people are not prepared to make that kind of long-term commitment um, for delivery. And I suspect a lot of the midstream companies, too, are negotiating with producers <clears throat> over existing contracts, both the term and the, the cost of them, uh, because they're too onerous for companies to digest. So, um, you know, we're not asking for that. Uh, we, we've got available capacity today and uh, we're offering it to those around us um, at a very attractive cost which we think beats a lot of their costs and we're not uh, requiring them to make uh, long-term commitments but um, you know I think if, if somebody was prepared to look at a long-term deal we would be prepared to look at carving out permanent capacity for them uh, but at this point we just sort of stay flexible with that and uh, you know everybody gets a chance to see how the future unfolds without too much commitment. Okay, that's fair. Thank you. You bet. Good question. Thank you. 
And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not showing any further questions at this time. I'd like to turn the call back to Darren G for any further remarks. Okay, that's great. Uh, thanks for those questions. Um, we didn't have too many uh, inbounds uh, on our website uh, or through info.pedo.com uh, overnight. Um, I did get one question yesterday that I wanted to pose to Lee Curran um, just to comment on uh, some of the technology that we're using today to drill so quickly. Uh, obviously, the speed at which we're drilling these horizontal wells is uh, is amazing. You know, I can think back to when uh, Pedo began and when we were drilling uh, primarily vertical wells to the cardium, we would take a lot longer than six and a half days to drill down to about 2,000 meters, and now we're drilling double that distance in that same amount of time. So, uh, you know, Lee, what what is the the reason for the speed, for the technology that uh, we're using today, is it uh, something that's here to stay or is it, uh, you know, something that just has to do with the, the industry, state of the industry today? Or, and maybe further on that, are there other technologies coming down the pipe that are going to improve it even more? Sure, Darren. Um, I guess, uh, you know, this, uh, it was, uh, we were very fortunate to see this, uh, this record well um, coincide with a milestone of a thousand horizontals. but. Um, on that, there were a number of small design changes that contributed. Um, those include elements of our fluid program and bit selection. However, the primary design element that affected that performance was uh, was pushing the monoboard design concept. And, and for those that are not completely familiar, that means we, we were able to eliminate the intermediate section of the wellbore, and, um, and that included eliminating a complete casing string from the well, drilling that uh, surface casing point to TD interval as, a, as one interval without an intermediate step. Now this, uh, this type of design carries some incremental operational risk um, and uh, often in the deep basin it, we can see conditions that are very unforgiving um, in regards to lost circulation intervals, coals, and other intervals of instability. And, and a lot of a lot of those areas um, demand that extra string of intermediate casing. So this isn't something we can apply as a blanket design change across all of our assets. Um, that said, uh, improved recent uh, market conditions and a rapidly improving balance sheet is allowing us to invite a little bit more risk tolerance into our programs. So so we're going to push that monoboard design concept a little further than we have on the deep targets. Um, now, since drilling that particular well, we've actually set the bar a little higher. Um, the final well drilled off of this, this pad with the same rig and same crews reached uh, a TD, albeit slightly shallower, um, reached that in six days. So that's a full half day faster. And when you say that quickly, half day doesn't sound like much. But to keep that in context, that's an 8% time improvement. So not only was it faster, but the, the full drill cost inclusive of construction and future reclamation expense was well under a million bucks. So um, this is really just the product of a team that truly embraces continuous improvement. Uh, in our group, uh, great is just not good enough. A thousand horizontals, a thousand horizontal wells uh, designed, drilled and completed by a relatively small, focused and uh, consistent team. Um, this is really the product of that. Uh, we maintain a level of tribal knowledge that is simply unparalleled in this industry and in my mind is the pride of Pato. Uh, the average tenure within our small DNC group in Calgary sits at over 13 years of, of service with Pato. So that speaks to, uh, that, speaks to that tribal knowledge. Um, we've built 
relationships with key service providers that embrace our culture and they truly see this as a long game. Um, you know, hard times in the market over the last couple of years have really driven to uh, collaboration between uh, between ourselves and our, our service providers that's kind of taken that collaborative uh, environment to a whole new level. Our, uh, our drilling rigs are fit for purpose. Uh, three of those four rigs have consumed nearly 8,000 operating days with Pado. That's not to uh, disregard the one new addition to the fleet um, that came to us in 2019. Uh, as they, they immediately fell into line and embraced that uh, performance-based culture, but combined, those four rigs have drilled nearly half of Pado's uh, thousand horizontal wells since 2009. Our, uh, our primary directional service provider, um, they exist as somewhat of an extension of, of, our, of our company as well. They've, they've uh, pocketed uh, almost 700 of those thousand horizontals. So with that kind of experience under their belts, they hold an abundance of pride in what they've helped Pado accomplish. Our, uh, our primary fracturing service provider who really didn't come into the mix in a meaningful way until 2015 has fracked nearly half of those thousand horizontal wells. So the list continues. Um, I could probably go on for days about that, but uh, whether it's in the office or out in the field, the concept of healthy competition has just kind of become part of our operational DNA. And uh, this overarching ingredient allows us to continue reporting these performance gains year after year. That's what's going to be the, the recipe for success and improved performance in the future. Sounds good to me. Uh, if only we can get a little bit more collaboration with the municipalities and maybe the Alberta Energy Regulator, we'd even be on late or the races there too. Thanks, Lee. Um, one other question that came in that I did want to touch on before we, we end today, um, Kathy, there was a question on our interest costs in the quarter. Uh, they were lower than, than uh, some analysts expected. Uh, appreciate that uh, we don't disclose um, all of our interest grid uh, in detail to the, to the market, but uh, can you comment a little bit on our interest costs for the quarter and where they're headed? Sure, Darren. Um, so our interest costs for the quarter were, uh, as a percentage basis, were actually higher than in prior quarters, which was to be expected under our uh, new credit facility and also with the note purchase agreements. We um, are subject now to higher stamping fees as we are in a higher grid level. However, we are um, we've managed to maintain our debt to cash flow in. Um, in a lower level than we initially had forecasted a few months ago just because prices are stronger and uh, costs were, were good and uh, you know all the the cost is really driven by a change one small change in a in in a pricing level can have a meaningful impact on the actual interest cost on the our entire debt so you know we we managed it to maximize the the um, or reduce the, the interest as much as possible. And uh, the, as I said, the strong prices really helped us. Going forward, we're expecting that as the cash flows continue to be strengthening, and um, we're going to see a lot of reduction, actually, in our interest costs. We should see probably about the same for the next quarter or two. And then as our, um, as our position in the, in the debt-to-cash flow grid comes down, we're going to see significant reductions in our interest costs. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, 
Maybe lastly, uh, I can just hit up JP here. Um, we, we did talk in the release, obviously, about the increased length, uh, some increased uh, intensity in terms of stimulations, which is driving uh, slightly better productivities this year. Um, obviously, we're doing that for much lower costs, which Lee talked about how we're getting those. Um, JP, maybe you can elaborate a little bit on the direction we're taking here. Um, some might argue that this has been a slower uptake in terms of pushing the envelope uh, for length and, and stimulation intensity to get better results, but uh, we've been pretty measured in that approach. Um, any comment on, on where we're headed? Sure, you know, for context here, Darren, uh, the Wilrich program, we, we started drilling slightly longer horizontals at the beginning of the year with our, you know, our first six averaged around 1,600 meters. But our last eight have been closer to 2,200 meters on average, and with the longest one being around 2,700 meters. Um, this compares to previous years where we typically drilled, you know, 1,300 to 1,400 meter laterals. We've also increased our frac intensity in, in the Wilrich uh, up to about uh, 0.8 tons on average, sorry, 0.8 tons per meter uh, on our last eight wells, uh, you know, where that's been closer to 0.4 to 0.5 in the past uh, tons per meter. In the Nauticuan and the flare species, we've, uh, we've, we haven't been quite as aggressive on the length, uh, yet we've uh, pushed our intensity up to about 0.8 tons per meter as well, which was up from about 0.6 tons uh, in the previous years. So, um, of course, as you indicate, you know, these increases uh, have also come with, with lower costs, and uh, that's important. Overall costs are lower. So, uh, you know, that cost, our, our unit costs are way down uh, as well, but of course that doesn't matter if we haven't got the productivity improvements or, the, or those productivity improvements don't show up. So I'll refer back to the table in the press release where we show that our 2020 program has demonstrated uh, some impressive uh, uh, results in aggregate and uh, on the first six months of initial production, uh, production from, our, from our previous years. When you combine that with the stronger outlook on prices, uh, we expect our 2020 program to yield us um, something in the order of around 40% rate of return full cycle which is certainly one of our best years uh, in a while. So, you know, we're going to continue that, um, and we expect those efforts to continue through 2021. We'll continue to, to deploy this kind of program um, and expect the same kind of improvements in, in that program next year. To answer your question on, on what took us so long, um, you know, to increase these lateral lengths and, and increase the profit intensity, uh, you know, we, we didn't do this overnight, and we have been experimenting uh, over the last uh, little while uh, with different designs, as, as Lee alluded to. Um, you know, however, we've been very, uh, we've always been a very cost, uh, you know, cost-conscious company, and we've been cautious on increasing risk with our operations. Uh, Lee alluded to that, some of that already. Um, as we push out our longer laterals and, you know, attempt more stages of profit, we've wanted to be sure that we could, you know, execute it in a way that was, uh, minimizing risk and, and still doing it cost effectively. So, you know, we might have been a little uh, short on the uptake, but uh, the other thing too to think about is um, we have been drilling mostly cardium over the last couple of years. So uh, now with our new focus on, on the drier Spirit River program in 2020 again, we've, we've, we've continued to evolve it. You know, another consideration here is that, you know, we are drilling in a deep basin and, and they are thick, tight sands, but, you know, we're not dealing with 100, 100 meters, uh, you know, of rock, layers of rock uh, like the Montney. So, Staying in the zone or, you know, we're in the good stuff, you know, it's important to manage that risk, right? Um, so hats off to, to Dave and his team of geoscientists, uh, both in the office and the field. Uh, you know, they've helped to, to uh, reduce those risks and keep us in the zone uh, during these longer laterals. 
so we don't have to pull back and sidetrack too often or you know, when we get in trouble. Often that happens at 2 in the morning. So it's been a real team effort to, to both plan and execute uh, the improvements to the 2020 program. And, uh, and as I said, uh, I expect we'll, that will continue through 2021. Okay, thanks, JP. All right, well, that uh, I think pretty much wraps up our call this morning. Um, as you've heard this morning, I think the, uh, the PATO team is really firing on all cylinders here. Uh, we're achieving some good results, and we're headed into uh, a little bit more uh, acceptable gas price environment going forward uh, for us, and uh, that's really going to translate into some growing cash flows and a uh, much better balance sheet. So we're going to feel a lot stronger here uh, as we head into next year, and we're looking forward to, uh, to coming back to you with uh, those results uh, quarterly as they transpire and uh, updating you with how we've been doing. So please stay tuned and uh, keep a watch out on our website for both my monthly report and our quarterly reports and uh, any other news that uh, we've got to show. We'll get the uh, latest marketing information updated there and uh, an updated presentation should be up shortly uh, with some additional color on what's going on in the industry and with Beto. So thanks again for listening this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. Everyone have a good day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.